Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the Fruited Plain. The phone number of this open line Friday is 877-973-7425. I hope you have blue skies where you are today. It's gotten cold here. Is it not funny how fickle people can be? My kids... For the last month, I've been saying, "When's it gonna get cool? When's it gonna? When's it gonna cool down? It's it's so hot. It's it's hot." And then we have this cold front that blasts through the Arctic front, and it was below freezing the last two days in a row. And the kids like, "When's it gonna warm up? When's it gonna warm up?" I was like, "You just got to cold weather. At least let the mosquitoes die before you start wanting to heat up again. You got to go through winter." Plus, I got to tell you guys, got in my hot tub last night. It was rigid outside for the south at this time of year the 30s is it'll get colder but it was in the 30s last night. Oh, okay it was like 39 40 uh last night when i was in the hot tub but man did i crank that heat up in there and then i didn't want to get out i was like i can't get out now i'm soaking wet and it's cold out there i, I haven't quite figured out do i just like leave the thing like like uncovered and run inside because i wanted to cover it and put the locks on and go inside and and by then you got hypothermia, I guess. I don't know. I hadn't figured out the routine yet, but it was great to watch that football game, uh, watch the Steelers eke out a win last night. All right. I, I got to talk about these these two stories because they are very related stories. And we should be deeply disturbed. Well, wait, wait, okay. So related to this, first of all, related to this, have y'all heard about the booty patrol? <laughs> This is, this is related to border security. A Florida man, of course it was a Florida man. Of co- What is it about Florida? I don't know, but uh, Florida man. Florida man has been cited this week for driving a truck that was painted similar to the look of Border Patrol vehicles, but read Booty Patrol on the back, authority said. The driver was pulled over Sunday and cited under a law that deals with prohibited vehicle lights that resemble those of law enforcement or other officials. On Monday, the sheriff's office posted pictures of the truck on social media to raise awareness. Photos of the white truck showed it had booty patrol on the back and side panels with a diagonal green stripe down the side of the cab. The truck had red and blue lights and had been seen in several counties. The driver was not identified. (laughs) <laughs> booty patrol <laughs> and, and spotlights to point at the girls on the beach the booty patrol truck and it really does it looks like a border patrol truck but it says booty patrol <laughs> all right now can, can i ask a question i don't know the answer to Was it a 20-year-old or a 60-year-old driving it? Because it could be either one. Wow. Related to the Border Patrol issue, though, this is getting serious. 
Here's some audio from Speaker Mike Johnson from yesterday. Listen to this. What he just described there is completely foreseeable. It's related exactly to our border. I mean, it's an abject failure. The Biden administration, the most glaring example of its failures, uh, the failures of the whole administration of what's happening at the border. And so we've had it open for almost three years now. We've had millions and millions of people come in and also known terrorists. And so it would not be surprising to us if terrorist cells are setting up shop around the country. We have been, everyone in this room has been jumping up and down saying, everything that we can to wear blue in the face, secure the border. That's what the American people want. It's a top priority of ours, but it has not been for the White House. This is from the New York Post this morning. A radical Jordanian national living in Texas was allegedly plotting an attack on Houston's Jewish community before he was arrested on gun charges. Soheb Abuyash, 20, had been studying how to build bombs and posted about his support for killing Jews, federal officials claim. He has viewed specific and detailed content posted by radical organizations on the Internet, including lessons on how to construct bombs or explosive devices, FBI Director Chris Wray told the Senate Homeland Security Committee, though he declined to identify the man at the time. And that defendant has made statements to others that support the killing of individuals of particular religious faiths. Abu Yash even allegedly made a direct reference in one social media post about an event in Houston for the Jewish community. It did not include details about the target. Abiyash is behind bars on charges of unlawful possession of a firearm by someone with a non-immigrant visa. And U.S. Magistrate Judge Christina Bryan has ruled he should remain detained pending trial. She said he wants to go to Gaza to fight. The judge said he has viewed specific and detailed content posted by radical organizations on the Internet, including lessons on how to construct bombs and explosive devices. The affidavits note that federal investigators had been monitoring Abu Yash's activity since August when agents conducted open source research, saw a video of him firing multiple firearms, including an AR-style weapon. He also reportedly visited several different firing ranges in Houston. He entered the U.S. on a non-immigrant visa that expired in 2019, but applied for asylum and obtained work authorization through 2025, But under federal law, those with a non-immigrant visa cannot legally obtain firearms in the United States. So how did he unlawfully acquire a firearm? There's a question there that we need answers to. But it goes beyond that. This is from the Daily Mail. An African terror suspect was allowed to pass into the United States and walk freely for several weeks in a disturbing security slip-up at the southern border. The unnamed fugitive, 29, from Senegal, was arrested last month in New York City after it was discovered he was wanted in his home nation for terrorist activities. The Immigration Enforcement and Removal Operation said the suspect was wanted for crimes, including criminal conspiracy and destruction related to a terrorist organization. He was also being sought for acts compromising public safety or causing serious political troubles, and direct provocation of an armed crowd. It comes as security fears are mounting at the porous southern border, with sources previously revealing some of Venezuela's worst gangsters have snuck into the United States as the migrant crisis escalates. The suspected terrorist was arrested October 17th in Lower Manhattan, outside the Jacob Javits Federal Office Building, which houses the Federal Plaza Immigration Court. However, his first encounter with law enforcement in the U.S. came two weeks earlier when he was stopped by the Border Patrol uh, in Arizona. 
Despite his criminal history, the man was merely processed by officials before being served with a notice to appear. A week into his stay on October 10th, ICE Homeland Security investigators noted that the dangerous suspect was walking freely in New York, and he was arrested without incident. Um, hello? Hello, Washington. Americans are concerned with the border. You've got a Jordanian national seeking asylum in this country who was plotting to murder Jews who somehow acquired a rifle to do so and was teaching himself how to make explosives. Hello, that's a problem. That's a big problem. You have a Senegalese terror suspect who ICE processed and let walk free before realizing they'd made a mistake. And what about the gotaways? Because there are a lot of gotaways that are coming through the southern border. We talk about and have details about the mass array of illegals coming into this country. But they just keep letting them come into the country. ICE, by the way, now says a Venezuelan illegal alien failed to disclose a homicide conviction to Border Patrol in July. He was released into the U.S. with notice to appear. He was only arrested later in Cape Cod. The Border Patrol says they vet everyone who comes across, but they only have access to U.S. databases and Interpol notices. Most countries don't share their criminal records with the United States. So when they run the names, nothing comes up because Venezuela is not sharing their criminal database with the United States. This is dangerous stuff. This is really dangerous stuff. And they're not taking it seriously in Washington, D.C. Do we have to have a terrorist attack? I I, got to look at my camera and ask this directly. Do we have to have a terrorist attack in the United States before the Democrats in Washington decide securing the border means securing the border? When Democrats talk about border security, what they mean is more money for immigration and customs enforcement to process people crossing the border and let them into the country. When Republicans say border security, they mean preventing those people from coming in at all. Do we have to have a terrorist attack in this country with a bunch of dead Americans before Joe Biden and the Democrats will finally admit the border is too porous and is a national security concern? They're coming across the northern and southern borders right now. Though FBI is warning Hamas and Hezbollah could already be here, why must Americans die before the Democrats get serious about securing the American border? And when Americans do die in what is probably an inevitable attack, unless disrupted by law enforcement, the Democrats will somehow demand that the Republicans be blamed, and the media will happily oblige blaming Republicans when the Republicans are the only ones who are taking seriously the need to close the southern border where the FBI says Hamas and Hezbollah have probably already crossed the border. This is madness. After World War II and the Holocaust, we said never again. 
And after 9-11, we said never again. And we're failing on both fronts. You've got anti-Semites around the world calling for death to the Jews, and you've got Democrats in Washington being told Hamas and Hezbollah could be crossing the southern border. And they're like, well, we just need to be able to process people more effectively and let them still come. How many dead Americans must there be before the Democrats decide they need to close the southern border? How many Americans must die? It's a horrible question to have to ask, but the question must be asked because that seems to be the only thing that will get Democrats to realize they have a national security crisis on the southern border. They have allowed massive piles of Americans to die from fentanyl overdoses because of the fentanyl brought over by the Mexican drug lords, and they haven't cared one damn bit about securing the border. Must there be a dramatic, massive terrorist attack in this country for the Democrats to care about border security? It shouldn't be so, but apparently it is so because we've got hundreds of thousands of dead Americans from the fentanyl coming across the border, and because they're so remote, individually removed and no cameras on them and no media coverage of it, the Democrats can get by with doing nothing. But you have a thousand Americans killed in a terrorist attack in this country, they'll take it seriously. And that is awful, 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 awful stuff. The Democrats should have taken this seriously and should take it seriously now so that something like that doesn't have to happen for them to take it seriously. It's horrible that it's going to take dead Americans in a terrorist attack for the Democrats to do anything. It should not have to be this way. And hopefully it won't be this way. I hope like hell there's no terrorist attack in this country. I hope the FBI is wrong. I hope the warnings are warnings and we'll be over to overcome it. But you have a Jordanian in Texas who thankfully was caught plotting to kill the Jews. you got a Senegalese terror suspect who the Border Patrol processed and let out. You've got a gangbanger murderer from Venezuela the Border Patrol let loose. And you got the FBI warning that Hamas and Hezbollah, maybe even the Chinese or Godaways who are sneaking into the country at the southern border and not being stopped. These are dangerous times, and the Democrats are dangerously unserious about securing the border, and we should all hope we don't go through another 9-11 or anything close to it, which is why the Democrats should secure the border now and not wait for something like that to happen. Welcome, it's Eric Erickson. Uh, hi, Jason. Uh, my best friend from law school, Jason's listened to me over on WORD in South Carolina, uh, said it was nice he hears me now all the time. Yes, yeah, we still, I need to get over there. I really do. It's been a long time since we've hung out. Um, all right. We got more stuff we got to talk about. Uh, Sam Bankman-Fried is guilty. It was a real quick jury uh, verdict on this. The thing that I'm I'm really fascinated about is how many of my friends who are like on social media all the time, they're on Twitter all the time, and they were convinced, became convinced that because he was such a big donor to the Democratic Party, one, he would not be indicted, and two, he would not be found guilty. I mean, I know people who are absolutely convinced of this. And then when he was indicted, they said, well, it's just Joe Biden going through the through the, through the the process, but, you know, the fix is in. He's not going to be found guilty. The prosecutors are going to throw the trial, so he can't be found guilty. And yet, he's guilty. He's guilty on all seven counts. Somewhere... Jeffrey Epstein smiles. 
I, I just, there was no way the guy wasn't going to be found guilty. His girlfriend turned on him. Everybody turned on him. But, you know, there are people who they see that the strings being pulled everywhere, whether they're there or not, and are absolutely staggeringly convinced that Joe Biden and the Democrats would protect this guy because he was their big donor. They didn't protect Harvey Weinstein. They certainly weren't going to protect this guy. I mean, Harvey Weinstein did more for the Democrats than this guy ever did. And it was, it told, you add up all the money Harvey Weinstein gave the Democrats over all those years, and it amounts to more than what uh, Bankman Freed did in 2022 for the Democrats. And he is going to go to jail now. Poor dude. Uh, lived a pampered lifestyle. Mommy and daddy took care of him so long, and he's a felon and will go off to prison. I have zero sympathy for this guy. I, y'all, I'm, I, I, I tried to understand cryptocurrency. But I take the Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger rule. If, if you can't understand it, stay away from it. Uh, it makes no sense to me other than a vanity project for nerds who try to convince themselves that they're smarter than everybody else. And I look, I, I've got some friends who are big and I got some several friends who are really big into Bitcoin. I just nope, I can't justify it. Um, it one, it doesn't make sense to me. And the more it does make sense to me, the crazier it sounds. So I'll avoid it. And Sam Bankman-Fried is going to get carted off to jail with the crypto king himself. All right, I got to tell you about Vision Computers. Listen, if you want to build a PC that has big GPU processors and go find you some Bitcoin, I bet you they can build you one. They built my kid a gaming PC that is incredible. Uh, told him what we wanted. Told him, He actually got on the phone with him. So these are the games I play, and this is what I think I want to do with college and stuff. And they got him set up. His computer's fantastic. A really cool case as well. But they also manage the tech for him, and so if he's got an issue, he calls them, and within 15 seconds, they answer the phone, and they get him on his way. If he's got a question about doing something he doesn't know how to do, they explain it to him. Very, very hands-on with him, and they do that for everyone. They don't do it just because it's me. They do it for everybody, which is why I love it, and they do it for your business as well. So you and your business, you can get vision to build your PCs, desktops, and laptops, and then they service them. So you don't need an in-house IT department for your small business or even your house. Dad doesn't have to be the IT department. Neither does mom. It's fantastic. You go to visioncomputers.com, visioncomputers.com, or you can call them, 404-COMPUTE, ask about the Eric Erickson special, you get a better discount. 404-COMPUTE, anywhere nationwide. Hello, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. 35 after the hour, the phone number, 877 973 7425. It is an open line Friday. I love having you call in and I want to take David's call. David, welcome to the program. Uh, good afternoon, Eric. Hi there. Uh, as always, as always, I want to uh, hope the queen, the queen outlives you, brother. May she, <laughs> Amen. All, may she always, may she always be clean. Thank you. But uh, I want to look at this, I'm a Southern Baptist, and I'm I'm trying to look at all this, uh, what's going on as a human being. And I've seen some of the things that happen in Israel, and they're not human. And I look around, Eric, and I see what's going on, especially in our country, what's going on right now. And and I and I look at this as a as a another human being to another, not religion not Jewish or, or Baptist or Catholic or whatever, but just as a human being. And I'm not surprised because of what's going on and allowed to go on for the last three or four years. We as a society, as human beings, we've gone awry. We are we're out of the loop. 
when I was growing up as a kid, Eric, I was afraid of two things. And I'm not here to preach on your show today. Because during 9-11, we had priests, preachers, and everybody was on their knees praying, this, that, and the other. Especially praying over the body parts that they finally found in 9-11. That was all good. But this, what happened in Israel with body parts, that's that's all good, too, to some people. Mm -hmm. But it's not to me as a human being. I had two fears as I was growing up. One was my mother, and the other one was God. And like I said, I'm not here to preach on your show. But that's the problem with this country and a lot of people in it. They have no fear of God. And if you don't believe that you should have fear of God, because I kind of jokingly go around with some of my relatives, and I tell them that God, when he wants to be, is a ruthless killer. If you don't believe me, uh, ask those people that were hunt, hunting Moses and trying to kill him and his followers as they stepped into the Red Sea. If God had really wanted to, Eric, he could have left that Red Sea party. But he didn't, did he? Nope, he didn't. And, you know, you, you get to he, a good he point. He did not. David, you, you get to a good point. First of all, we, we got so many people um, who, and I appreciate your phone call, that they 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 don't even believe. And you, you all know my worldview. And, and to David's point, the, the Paul in Ephesians 6, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, we, we, the, the unseen realm. There is, listen, you, you don't have to be a believer per se. You don't have to be theologically minded to understand there's something deeply off with our society. Mass shootings, the increase in violence, the excuses of silence, or the excuses of violence, the silence of those who can look on the horrors of what happened on October 7th in Israel and say nothing until they could both sides it, the the people who are moral cowards when it comes to standing up against uh, the vices of the world. And, and yeah, there's something spiritual going on. There's something you, you mentioned being not just fear of the Lord, but fear your mom. Um, what about dads there? We've got so many single moms out there who are just busting their butts to keep their families together. And, and where are the dads? The dad's have been treated as expendable. Some of them, them believed it. Some of them had no responsibility to begin with, and they walked out, leaving the mom to do everything. Um, men in jail, there's a huge crisis in this country of people without fathers. I mean, forget God the Father. Um, Bob the Father is is gone. And that affects everything. It actually does affect stuff. Girls who have fathers in the house that they have a good relationship with are far less likely to get pregnant before marriage. Boys who have a good relationship with their father are far less likely to uh, dabble in pornography and uh, be abusive towards women. Kids who have a dad in the household are far, far more likely to get an advanced degree and earn more than their parents. Kids with a two-parent household tend to be better health-wise, perform better academically, and perform better in life, income-wise, uh, marriage-wise. Kids whose parents don't get divorced tend to also not get divorced. 
kids whose parents go to church tend to go to church. They tend to have a better, more fulfilling spiritual life. They tend to live longer. They tend to suffer from less depression. They tend to be less likely to engage in crime. I mean, we have all of these statistics out there that show that a two-parent household is the best way to raise kids, and uh, people scream at you. I guarantee you I'm going to get an angry email from a single mom who takes offense at what I'm saying, and I'm I'm specifically going out of my way to praise single moms and what they have to do when dad walks out. But at the same time, also note what all of the research everywhere shows us. We know how to raise a healthy society. We just choose to ignore it, and people tend to vilify it because uh, they feel like they're being judged. It's a damning indictment on our present society. Now, I'm going to shift dramatically from here because I can feel myself getting pre And I'm trying not to be preachy. I'm trying not to be. I want to shift to something else. There's a, a, there's a company in Atlanta. Uh, it's called Priority Jet. And Priority Jet, you can do jet charters and stuff. And they let me take a, a plane ride once, a private flight with two friends of mine. Philip was one of them. We went to Las Vegas. And I got to tell you, it ruins you. It ruins you to fly private. Now, I can't afford to fly private. A lot of my friends think I do. I don't. I did that one time, and now everybody thinks that's all I do. No, I fly Delta. Now, I do have enough Sky Miles, that I'm, and I'm diamond because I put so much on my Amex card. I always get bumped up to first class, which is great. Um, so, so I tend to fly first class, but I'm, I'm taking a trip tonight. My wife and kids and I, it's my dad's 84th, 84th birthday this coming week. And we can't be there during the week, but we can go over tonight. We can have all day tomorrow with my dad. And then the Delta schedule is very weird. I got to get the kids back home Sunday because they got a bunch of homework and they got tests next week. So we can only stay and visit on Saturday. And my dad's going to need to watch the LSU Alabama game too. So we, we've got a limited amount of time to have full quality, full contact with my parents. And the Wall Street Journal has this story about boarding planes. I can't tell you the number of people who tell me all the time the way we board planes in this country is atrocious. Why are we boarding from front to back? We should be boarding from back to front. Jason Steffen is an astrophysicist who is so annoyed with the way we board planes in this country that he's tried to come up with a new way to board it. United has implemented a system called Wilma, window, middle, aisle. They were doing this up until 2017. So all the people at the windows board, then all the people on the middle board, and then all the people in the aisles board. Well, uh, Stefan an associate professor of physics at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, UNLV, has developed a boarding strategy that is actually probably the most efficient. So those of you who think we should board from the back to the front on an airplane, it's actually the second worst way to board a plane. The worst way to board a plane is front to back. The second worst way to board a plane is back to front. I did not know that. I assumed back to front would be the most efficient. No. Do you know what this physicist found? This is actually kind of funny. Do you know what he found? Random boarding is actually the fastest way. Random boarding is the fastest way. So this guy uh, developed a methodology when he discovered that boarding back to front, because he thought boarding back to front would be the most efficient way, and it turned out in his studying, it turns out, uh, it's quicker to board the plane randomly than the border uh, board the plane back to front. So this is what he says. Take a 737, which is a single aisle plane, three seats on both sides. 
The first person to board is the passenger with the window seat on the last row. The next person would be two rows away, followed by, so you go, let's say 30 is the last row. So you do 30A, 28A, 26A, 24A, 22A, and then you do the other side of the plane, 30A, 28F, 30F, 28F, 26F, so on. You do the windows, you do the middle, then you do the aisle. Any of you with kids know the problem here. A lot of people fly and are flying together. And so you're not going to put a parent on a plane at 30F and then wait for 30E to come available for the kid to come on. They're going to come on together and, and stuff like this. It's just it, there, there's never going to be a good way to board a plane. It would help if people hurried up and got on the plane. So, like the stragglers, I will tell you. When it's time for me to board, I want to go on, get on the plane, put my bag in the overhead bin and sit down and get out of the way. Some people, they just, they want to dawdle. They want, they're stuck in security, whatever it is. And they get on the plane until the end and it screws up everybody else's boarding. And then part of this as well, let's be really honest here. Part of this is the planes themselves. They punish you for checking your bag and make you pay a fee. So everybody brings their rollerboard on the plane and they don't fit overhead and there's limited space. And so you get to the back of the plane and suddenly there's no space and that delays the boarding process further when the person's got to take their bag off the plane and have it get under the bottom. But they've disincentivized pre-checking baggage because if you put it on the plane and it doesn't fit, then you can check your baggage and they don't charge you a fee. They should actually penalize you for doing that and make you pay a big extra fee. Oh, well, you you lost your shot. Now you got to pay a fee. I have started, and I know a lot of my friends think this is insane, but I've started checking my bag. Now, I know if you're flying American Airlines, your bag probably isn't showing up, but Delta's pretty good about not losing bags. I've started checking my bag because I don't want to have to deal with the Ziploc bag of mini toiletries. I, I got a shampoo bottle already. And if I got to check my bag so that I can take my full-size shampoo bottle, I'm, I'm totally fine doing that. But there's got to be a better way. But then there's something else here as well, is increasingly the middle class is getting priced out of flights. Unless you want to do the Greyhound bus of the year called Spirit Airlines, and Spirit Airlines is Spirit Airlines, because by the time your plane lands at your destination, you might be a ghost. I'm I'm not a uh, listen. Now I've got to say I got friends who fly Spirit, but they fly Spirit because Spirit Airlines is cheap. And they're in the middle class and they can't afford expensive flights and so they fly that airline, take their life into their own hands. I actually uh, somebody was telling me the other day actually that at LaGuardia they keep a constant police presence. Spirit has a gate at LaGuardia and they keep a constant uh, police presence at that gate because of the amount of fistfights that break out between passengers on Spirit Airlines. They literally have to keep a police presence at that gate where Spirit boards in LaGuardia because of the fistfights that break out between random strangers on the plane. But there's got to be something. I, I feel like Delta, like I fly Delta a lot, and it's like I'm monitoring flights. And it's increasingly pricing the middle class out. And, and United and American are, and it's the nature of the beast. Fuel is expensive and, and uh, pilots are expensive and things like that. But this is, we're moving to a world where your average middle class family now cannot afford to fly. For a while, there was pretty cheap. And there are some airlines where you can still get a pretty good deal, but it's less and less. We're pricing the middle class out of the ability to be mobile. 
And that's actually not good for anyone, and it fosters a lot of class resentment in the country. But it's because of public policy these days and, and the increase in oil prices and things like that. So I understand why airlines are so expensive, but I don't actually think it's a very good thing for anybody, including the airlines, that increasingly it's only upper-income people who can travel on a good plane and everybody else has to avoid the fist fights at the super discount airlines where it's only a matter of time before you got to put a quarter in the door to open the bathroom. And But if they can't figure out boarding a plane, they're probably not going to figure out the rest of this stuff either. Now, let me tell you who's figured out how to fund the conservative movement. That would be Patriot Mobile. If you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric and you move your cell phone business to them, then their profits grow. And when their profits grow, they're giving to the conservative causes you care about grow. That's what Patriot Mobile does. Patriot Mobile funds the conservative movement. They grow their profits. They grow the movement. They give you guaranteed great service using the same cell towers you are probably already using anyway. You can even take your existing cell phone number to them or get a brand new number if you want. You go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or you call them at 972-PATRIOT. You tell them I sent you at 972-PATRIOT. They give you free activation. You don't have to pay for activation with my name, and you get great discounts if you're a veteran, a first responder, an NRA member, a teacher, so much more. Patriot Mobile funds the causes you care about. They fund conservative candidates you care about, and they do it as their profits grow. So you move your business, you grow their profits, they grow the movement. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric or 972-PATRIOT. When I was a kid and I was in school, we took what at the time was called, I think, the Stanford Achievement Test. It was changed to the California Achievement Test, and then there was the Iowa Achievement They're the standardized tests that kids take in school, going, going to elementary school. And in my school, you were assigned to your math and your your English reading grammar class based on how you did on those standardized tests. If, if you didn't have good math scores, you were put into a uh, class for remedial math, and it tended to have a smaller. So you had a depending on the on the on the year and the number of kids, you had like a small group of kids who were struggling, a large group of kids who were on average, and a small group of kids who were excelling. And it could shake up based back and forth. And some kids from the upper group would slow down and get into the average group. Some kids in the small group of, of kids underperforming would catch up. Uh, but you you did it based on those standardized scores. And, and you, you followed where the standardized scores were. The school just put you in there. But then I moved back to this country, and it's not something that this country ever did. In this country, you're, you're not, you don't track based on those standardized tests. A lot of it is subjective, and and teachers push kids. Well, Texas has changed this. Listen to this. Uh, In 2019, the Dallas school system did an opt-out policy. The rest of the state of Texas has now just done what Dallas did by state law. So now in Texas, statewide, and Dallas started it in 2019, a student is placed in a math class based on their standardized test score, and then the parents can opt the child out of that. If, if their test score says they didn't do well enough to go into the advanced class, the parents can opt to put them in it. If they do very well on the standardized test and get into the advanced class, the parents can opt to pull them out. Listen to this. 20% of eighth graders enrolled in Algebra one. Uh, have gone up to 60% enrolled because of the standardized test score placement. A lot of kids were discouraged from doing advanced math for subjective reasons, even though the standardized tests showed they were capable. And it skyrocketed. Today, 
43% of black students in the Dallas, Texas school system are in honors math upon entering middle school. 60% of Hispanic students are. In 2018, it was 17% of black students and 33% of Hispanic students. At the Hayes School District out of Austin, officials saw an increase of 26% of sixth graders taking advanced math in 2018 to 42% three years later. Think about that. It's an objective metric, standardized tests. And a lot of students were discouraged or discouraged themselves and their families discouraged them from taking advanced math. But when the state of Texas moved to just what does your standardized test score show you're capable of, the number of non-white students in academically advanced math classes skyrocketed because the testing showed they were capable even as the external factors suggested they weren't. And they're thriving and their grades are going up and they're getting good math skills. Every I, I couldn't believe it when I moved back to this country that we didn't do that. I, that's how I grew up and it's something we should do. If the standardized test that you take in, in middle and high school says you're capable of doing better math, go into the better math class. You'll thrive probably instead of being bored. Boredom is the grade killer of so many kids, not the challenge. They rise to the occasion. They just get bored otherwise. You guys have a great weekend. I'll see you all Monday.